Feeling stuck in your private practice? Not sure of your direction? Worried about making changes in your mental health practice? Just getting started and need help? You've come to the right podcast. Welcome to PsychBiz. Hi, Howard. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. It's freezing in Maryland this week, like super, super cold. Wow. So, yes. <laughs> well, I heard, I heard you all got some snow up there this week, like a lot. We did. My kids were very happy. They've been waiting and waiting for the snow. It wasn't enough for snowman, but it was still something. So that was good. Nice. Yes. Nice. Well, yes. Those cold days make you kind of want to cozy up by a fire inside the home and listen to a podcast like Psych Biz. <laughs> there you go. There you go. How are you doing? How was your week, Ben? Good. Week's been good. Busy, of course, doing yeah. a lot with clients and busy in my practice and uh, working with consulting clients and preparing for a talk I'm doing in April. And uh, But I'm grateful, very grateful to be able to help during a time like this. And uh, we've just been working hard and you yeah. know, uh, now I get to take a break and talk with you and create a, another one of these wonderful episodes uh, for our listeners. And that's something that I just have so much fun with you doing. And so I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no, this is super. What's the talk you're giving in April? Uh, we're going to talk, I'm going to be talking to a group of uh, public health professionals um, about a topic that we're actually going to be closing out our season uh, in this first podcast season, and that is on compassion fatigue and burnout prevention. Wow. And we're going to kind of cater it. Yeah, we're for our podcast, we're going to cater it toward the uh, aspects of how to balance and maybe manage and mitigate that uh, in terms of, uh, you know, improving your business and making sure that your uh, business runs smoothly because, you know, you need to run smoothly if your business is going to run smoothly. That is such an important topic, especially right now. I think everybody is much more struggling with preventing burnout and all of those kinds of things. So I think that right. it's a really timely thing to be discussing. That's right. So a little plug for our there end of season episodes. <laughs> uh, and to, and, but today, today we're very excited because we're going to be talking about really the craft that you build and, and uh, the important online presence that probably the, yes. the central hub of online presence for therapists, which is your website. Yes. Your therapist website. Yes, 100%. It's a super important topic. And I, people, I think, really do have a lot of questions about it, really struggle with some of the kind of fundamental issues. So I think it's really a good one to tackle, you know, mm -hmm. here. Well, and this is really what you do at, at Strong yes. Roots Web Design. <laughs> yes, that's what I do every day. Yeah. So, I mean, a basic question that I have for you is, why is it important for therapists and practitioners to have a website even? Yeah, that is a really fundamental question. And I think that it's something that has changed a lot, even in the last 15 years. And, you know, sometimes I have conversations or, you know, on face on LinkedIn, I get into, you know, I connect with a lot of people um, and have you know, direct messaging conversations with them and people who have been in practice for 
40 years will say, well, I, you know, I, I've never needed a website. And they didn't because that was, you know, they got started a long time ago when things were really different. Um, and today, the online presence has become such a fundamental part of just establishing yourself as a legitimate practitioner. Um, when people are looking for, you know, any service, the first thing they do is Google you. Like, that's just like number one. And when they do that, they need to see that you have a professional online polished presence that reassures them that you are a legitimate authority in your field, that you're someone who they can trust. And that's just like the basic entry level. Then there's, you know, all of the levels of using your website to its full extent and full potential. But just that part of when someone is looking for a service and they either someone gives them your name as like a potential referral or whether they're just Googling, um, they need to see that you're there, that you're an established presence and not, um, not, you know, someone who they, they can't verify, they can't see you there. They feel like they don't know exactly what your deal is if you don't, if you don't have a site. So it really has two parts. Mm -hmm. The marketing part is yeah. one where yeah. you're, you're putting it out there to kind of attract clients. And the other part is sort of a, a backdrop for who are you as the therapist? And what do you do? What populations do you specialize with? What are the issues that you work with in your practice? These are the essential elements that consumers of therapy are looking for. And they may get your name from somebody verbally, but now people, rather than just picking up the phone and getting a phone number and calling the therapist, they're, they're getting links to their websites. Yes. yes. And checking you out and vetting the therapist before they ever even vet on the phone. 100%. Even on psychology today, when people are looking, because a lot of people have a psychology today profile, which is important and which is another thing we'll talk about more in depth in another episode. But even then on your psychology today profile, there's a button that says website. And so people will look at your profile and then the next thing they do is go to your website. And so that website presence as an authority builder, as a way to establish that you are, you know, an authority to talk about the things that you do um, is really vital. Right, right. Well, and I remember the process of moving from no website mm -hmm. to a template website through kind of a, a company that builds, you know, that offers, you know, 10 or 12 templates and you pick sure. a template and they even write, they have written copy for therapists and, you know, I, I guess, you know, to ask you this question would be, uh, are those effective? And if so, how effective are they? And what are they missing that your services, for example, uh, mm -hmm. have? Yeah. So it's a good question. And I think that, you know, part of the answer has to be that there are different stages in everybody's career, right? And, you know, if you think of your website well, I mean, I don't know if this is a good metaphor, but if, if you think about, you know, when you were a college student, you lived in a dorm, right? And you had a roommate. And at the time, that was great. That was perfect for you, right? And then after college, at least for myself, I moved into an apartment. And at the time, I was like, oh, my God, I've got this apartment. It's amazing. And then eventually, I upgraded to, you know, I got married. and We had 
a, ha- a house that we rented and it was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then eventually we bought a house. We're like, oh my gosh, this is great. So at each level of development, there was something that was appropriate for us at that stage of development. And there were pros and cons each place, right? So I'm not, I, I don't ever want to diss um, you know, any of the other types of services that create websites because everybody has their own journey of development within their career and there's going to be the right match for you at each step. And so I think a lot of people start out with something that is a template or, you know, more basic or a Wix site or something like that. And I think that there is definite benefit to that because it gives you a way to get a presence on the web in a way that is easily accessible. It's inexpensive. It's often very quick. Um, it's not a big headache. You can just get something up, have something. So when someone Googles you, there's a page there. They can see, ah, yes, like this is, you know, a person who has a degree and this is a person who does these three services. So that's good to know. And it gives them the basic information that they need. And that's great. I think that over time, as a person develops through their career, you want to progress kind of from that more um, basic kind of foundational thing to something that is more robust to something that's going to be a better representation of who you are, something that's going to be more user-friendly, something that's unique that represents, you know, the fact that you are an individual unique practitioner who provides services that are different from other people who provide services that might on the surface, you know, if one person does EMDR and you do EMDR, it's not in fact that you're exactly the same. You're not interchangeable. You're each going to do things in your own way and you want your website to present enough of the flavor of who you are so that people can still choose you, even though the service, the list of services provided might look similar, right? So I think that there are things that you can do with a more customized, advanced type of website that you can't do with some of the simpler ones, but that's not to say that the simpler ones aren't sometimes the right tool at the right time. Yeah, yeah. I love your analogy that you spoke about, <laughs> the moving into home ownership eventually, yes. right? <laughs> and customizing your website is yes. like owning a home. Right, and like, I remember when I had my first studio apartment in college and it was a one room and it was tiny and the oven had two burners and God, it was like paradise for me at the time. Right. It was like amazing. So like, it's not about saying that, you know, these other services or the the more templated sites are bad. Right. It's just saying that eventually you progress on to the next, to the next stage of things. Well, and that's exactly how my website development process went. I, I right. first did not have a website uh, they weren't very popular when I got yeah. into the world of private practice back in 2000, 2001. And, you know, I met somebody that owned a website making organization. A lot of them t- tended to come out of Colorado. It's weird. There's like, that's three, interesting. I've noticed like, that. Yeah. Three major ones in Colorado. And I think it has a lot to do in my home state. And I think it has a lot to do be- with, that there are a lot of therapists uh, per capita in the state of Colorado. And And then that begs the question, why is that? Which is also another interesting thing to think about. Yeah. I, you know, I think therapy is a very widely accepted 
mode of helping professional helping. And, um, and I think it's growing, you know, we can talk about that some other time too, but it's growing immensely. And, you know, the stigmatization of going to a counselor, a mental health professional is really reduced. And, you know, one of the things, yes, there's a lot of therapists out there, but websites really help identify your uniqueness as a clinician. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing consulting because it's really all about working directly with the clinician and how their private practice is going to be shaped, what their value system is. And then you put that into this beautiful site that helps consumers and clients connect with their, the, who they are. Really, yeah. and my process really just to go back to that that statement or that that thought is that my process was very much the same. I started with one of those template websites, yeah. um, got it thrown up really quickly. Felt very insecure about having a website to begin with. You know, being mm-hmm. being online, being online as a professional is like a a fear that a yes. lot of clinicians have. Like. What is it going to feel like? And I would imagine younger clinicians have less of that fear because they've grown up in this digital age. Mm-hmm. But if you're a listener and you're in private practice and you're, you know, my age in your fifties or you're your forties, um, you didn't grow up with that. And it's normal to have some fear around, you know, really developing your presence online. I had a lot of it. And here I am a professional expert in, you know, running the business side of psychotherapy. So, uh, hopefully that helps you, the listener, think a little bit about what's going on for you and maybe make the leap into, even if at all, a template website. Uh, but hopefully at this stage in your practice, you have enough resources to be able to you know, hire someone like you, Sarah, and own a home rather than, <laughs> right. rather than live in a dorm. Right. <laughs> Well, so let's shift here and let's talk a little bit about what the content of a website, really a good therapist website should be. What What's in a good therapist website? That's a really good question. And it's interesting because I spend a lot of time looking at therapist websites and there's stuff that, um, you know, I think part of it is just, again, I spend a lot of time looking at therapist websites. And so there are things that to me seem very basic that maybe to someone who who's just not doing this very often doesn't seem self-evident and might be something that gets missed, right? So basic things that have to go on your website, first of all, is your all of your contact information. Um, and I think that it has to be one of the things that's easiest to find on your site. And it has to be something that is in more than one place on your site. You want to make contacting you be ridiculously easy. And you also want to have more than one way to contact you available. So having a phone number, an email, and a contact form are really three basic ways that should all be an option to people who come to your site. And that's because there are going to be different types of people who come to your site who feel more comfortable with different modes of communication. There are some people who you know, are going to come to your site and they want to talk to someone on the phone. They want that feeling of individual connection and that immediate response. So they need a phone number, even if they're going to call and leave a message and have you call them back, but they need a number to call. There are other people who are going to feel more comfortable either sending an email or filling out a form because that's a little bit less intimidating. There's a lower lower barrier to entry. They can just type in information. It doesn't feel as, you know, um, direct 
and that's going to be more comfortable for them. So you want to give all of those as options and you want them to be at the top of your site. One of the first things that people see when they come, you want it to be at the bottom of your site. You want it to be on your contact page. You want it to be very, very easy to figure out how to contact you. Um, and then, you know, other things that you want to have are going to be good, well-written content that is engaging and easy to read and feels conversational. Um, one of the challenges that a lot of people have is creating content for the site that feels like a conversation and not a resume. Right. And, you know, and I want yeah. to ask you, I want to ask you about that because about content, because one of the things that led to my decision to contract with you to do my upgrade, my now current website is that talk of talk to listeners a little bit about the process of helping them create that content um, because you do it in a way that no other uh, web developer for therapists that I've ever come across does it and I really really like your process can you talk a little bit about that yeah, absolutely. I mean, the goal with my process for the copywriting is really to be able to get to know the therapist well enough that the content on the site sounds like the therapist speaking. So when you read the content on the site, it should sound like that therapist's voice. And the reason for that is because the reason people are going to pick you is because they resonate with that tone, with that voice, with those word choices. And right they're going to want to sit down and talk to you in person if the content on the site sounds like a conversation they want to continue. And so, so you actually do that, don't you? You actually do. do that with them. Tell us what you do. Tell them, tell what do you yeah. do. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, we do a conversation on like usually on zoom and I record it and I ask a bunch of questions. Really. I try to get really in depth. I try to, you know, really engage the therapist in a conversation, get them to share about, you know, not just the, you know, things that they do, but why they do them, the things that they find to be really inspirational about their job, the kinds of clients who they really resonate with, and all of that kind of deeper level information about why they love what they do and why they do what they do. And then I take that and I really do like analyze, I transcribe the call that I've recorded and then I analyze it. I look at what words came up frequently. What words did the therapist use over and over again to describe their, their work? What words did they use to describe their clients and really do like analysis of it? Because you're looking for the relationship. You're looking for two things. It sounds like you're looking for the therapist's personality Mm -hmm. And you're looking to capture keywords that you know people are going to key into that are the underpinnings of internet searches. Yes, exactly. And kind of take those two elements and then use them both and weave them both into the content for the site so that you have content that is going to emotionally resonate and also be visible on search engines and be visible when people are surfing the web, looking for stuff so that you're actually showing up to the people who need you. And I would imagine that the way that you transcribe, uh, then you send it back to the, to the clinician and uh, have them sort of look at what you've transcribed. And do you also um, share, uh, like, do you share documents so that they can edit if they want to, things like this? Yeah, I share the, the transcribed uh, you know, 
version of the interview. And then I also share the drafts of the actual content for the site and get feedback. You know, we share comments back and forth, make, you know, a couple rounds of revisions until both of us feel that the content is just super strong and also a real accurate reflection of that therapist's voice. Beautiful. And you're talking about you're talking about drafts of the site itself. You are are you what do you mean by that drafts of the site itself? Well, so there's there's two different things, right? There's the content, which usually we I have a draft of in like a Google Doc that then I share with the client and we look at it together. They give me feedback and we edit it until it's really strong. Um, and I'm a Google Doc addict. I do everything in Google Docs, so it you know works out really well. And then once that content is kind of not, it doesn't have to be totally solidified and perfect, but it's strong and it's pretty much ready to go. So then I start building the design for the site around the content. And that's something else that I feel very strongly about. And this might be something that, you know, other people don't worry about so much, but it's definitely an issue that comes up with web design, um, which comes first, the content or the design? Are we writing the content and then fitting the design around the content? Or are we creating a design that looks beautiful and then kind of shoving the words in around the edges to accommodate that look? And I definitely feel that the content is the heart of the site and has to come first. And that whatever the design is, it should be built around the content so that the Mm. content is what really shines. Um, and that the design is kind of secondary to the content because the content is what's really going to, it it just has to be the heart of the site. I I like how confident you are about that. You know, this is really based on years of experience and research and and, uh, I I happen to agree by the way. And at the same time, let me also say that as a creative consultant and artist that you are, the designs that you make are really phenomenal. They're very oh, custom. You. Well, sure, they're they're very customized because I've looked not only obviously at my site, but you've yeah. looked at the many other sites that you've done, and you can tell it's got your flair, your flair in it. But they're uh-huh. all they're all different. And the other thing I know, I'll just we can share in our working process that, as I recall, you asked me questions and I I gave you information about even little personal touches, you know, about like, you know, that I love the mountains and I love nature. And I said to you, I want something that, that really has nature in in it. And if you go to my site, howardbaumgarten.com, you'll see a lot of mountains and nature and whatnot. And I also said that I want, I want a variety of representative cultures and gender in, in my, in mine. And I, you know, can we talk about that a little bit? Like, do you, yes. like, I think like, let's talk about people in it. Not, not, and then I want to talk about the clinician's profile too. Right. But first of, first and foremost, what is your philosophy on having pictures of people in the website or pictures in general? Right. So the pictures are really important and they're also really hard. And that's because the majority of stock images are terrible. Um, and so finding really high quality stock images is one of the things that I spend kind of an insane amount of time doing, but it's completely mandatory. Like you can't skip over it. Right. Um, and that's for several reasons. Part of it is that you want to have people on your site. You want to have faces on your site because people really are going to make a connection with visual images of people's faces. You want to have images of people that are uplifting 
rather than depressing. And this is something that I see a lot on therapist websites. They're like, well, I treat people with depression. So I'm going to put pictures of people crying on my website. My pictures are going to be black and white with people with their heads in their hands. Or I work with people who are struggling with addiction. So I'm going to show pictures of people who are, you know, obviously struggling with addiction. And this is really, really a big mistake because looking at pictures that are depressing is exhausting. And a person comes to your website and they see pictures that represent the worst mm-hmm. moments of their life. They yeah. don't feel motivated or energized to take action, which is exactly what we want them to do when they're on your website. We want them to make a decision to take action, to contact you. And that takes energy. That takes like this hopeful spirit, this moment of like, yes, like I'm going to give this a try. And you're absolutely shooting yourself in the foot if you have depressing photos on your website. Yeah, a psychiatrist that I worked under early in my career said to me one time, and it stuck with me, what we're selling is hope. Yes, exactly. And you have to have pictures of people who look hopeful and happy and, uh, you know, uh, healthy, because that's what we're selling. We're the out- We're selling the outcome. Yes, exactly. So wow. it's, it's really important. And then on top of that, you have to find pictures that are high quality, meaning they don't look like something, you know, for a dental like ad where everybody's smiling, these big like 20 watt smiles and everybody's teeth is perfect. Like you want pictures that look real, that look natural, that have an emotional resonance to them. Um, and so that is something that you have to really work hard to find. And then on top of that, you want to have pictures that are representative of the people who you actually serve. And so if you work with a diverse audience, a diverse group of clients, you want all of those clients to see themselves represented in the pictures that are on your website. Mm. Um, And that, that can take some real effort because the stock image industry is definitely better than it was and there are definitely, you know, websites that make real effort to to be more inclusive, but it's still got a far way to go. And so, you know, if you are a therapist who works with a diverse population, finding photographs to use on your site that represent that population, you know, equitably is 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 a challenge. It takes time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and then we could even go a step further and mm-hmm. talk about the value of having. I'm assuming that it's healthy, good, smart to have at least one picture of you, the clinician. Yes. Like on like your about page or something oh, like yeah. that. Because a lot yeah. of clinicians don't want to do that. They, they're, they're afraid to put their picture up. I know. And I completely, I understand, like I get it. Having pictures taken from my website was not fun. Like I'm not a person who enjoys that either. And so when someone tells me they don't want to put their picture on their website, I say, I totally get it, but you've got to. Um, I was going to say, you just have to, It, it, it really is. And I try to be as, as gentle as I can be while saying like, you really have to do it because people are not going to be able to create a sense of trust or a sense or, or feel like they can maybe have a relationship with you if they can't see your face. And that's and just a very human thing. And it's probably worth it to maybe even think about hiring a professional photographer for those photos so that they're really high quality looking professional photos. That's what I did. And I do not regret doing that. Yeah. I think that professional photos are a great thing to do and that would be the optimal choice 
for people who it's not going to happen, meaning that they feel uncomfortable with it or just like aren't going to do it. So then a really nice photo taken on an iPhone by someone who knows what they're doing in your backyard is also great, right? Like I think professional photos are the best, but when I have a client who really doesn't want to do that, I'm like, okay, so just give me something, right? Something is better than nothing. Um, And a photo is so important. And again, something else that I say to people is you can always upgrade. You can put a photo on your website that is okay. And -hmm. then a year later, you can get a professional headshot and put it in and it'll be fine. Like it's better to have something than nothing. And having a photo of yourself is just such a fundamental part. And I know you on your website, there are a couple of different ones and you have ones that are kind of outside and then some that are inside, right? From like kind of different periods. Um, I have, I think we ended up putting one on okay. and one photo, but I, this segues into what I was, the next question I was going to ask you, which is, um, and we talked all about this in the last episode, which is mm-hmm. incorporating video. I mean, you convinced me to do videos. You pushed hard on that with me. And, um, and I'm glad you did because as we talked about in the last episode, making a video is even more scary than having. And I think that the one you remember is that at the end of one of my videos, I did a little outside in the mountains yes, outtake. Right. And then I had some office videos that I did. And um, as we joked about in the last episode, they're a little corny to me that, you know, kind of strange. They felt really odd and awkward. And I even still a little bit when I would look at them, but sometimes I'll look at the videos and I'll be like, these aren't so bad. They're great. A hundred percent. 100% confidence, I can say, I'm so grateful that I did that because it just put me over the hump of that fear of doing them. And again, I think, you know, the same holds true for older clinicians who are not used to doing this kind of thing. It's much harder. I think younger clinicians that are coming into the field, this is kind of how they've been raised. You know, they put little videos on Instagram and TikTok and all these like think, you know, social media apps that I don't even ever go to and don't even know about. Right. <laughs> Right. It, it is definitely a great way to connect with people and to give people an opportunity to just really get a sense of your personality, hear your voice, see your facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like you said, people consume videos so much nowadays, like there's just video everywhere. So having one on your website will feel really natural to them. It will feel like a very normal, natural, almost expected way to kind of get a sense of who someone is. Mm-hmm. So moving a little bit away from content and design and photos and videos and whatnot, I I do want to add that um, I think it's also, you know, later on you can build in things or at the beginning, but you can build things in like start adding blogs to your website. And, you know, so people kind of get a feel for where your research interests are and what topics you like to talk about. And then you can, you know, we're going to put these, these episodes on our respective websites so that, you know, we're adding more content to them. So if you do a podcast or some type of um, internet related activity, you can always put that on a book or even a pamphlet. And one thing I was thinking about too, is that um, we were just talking about this, about, how you can attract people by having them like register for something free. Like you have a free button and it can be a small giveaway. It could be, you know, if you work in the area of parenting, let's say you can, you know, five top tips of parenting, sign up for these five top tips. And now all of a sudden you can add that person to their email list and you let them know that you're adding them and that they can get off of it and unsubscribe at any time. But 
because I think there's this whole other culture of getting a following, right? And getting a following on your website is really about just interacting with the people who are taking interests in your work. And I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm just kind of climbing into that more and more um, because I'm always so busy with my clients. I don't have a right. lot of time to do that. And, but these are like deeper expansions of your website that, that can flow from, from the, the, you know, the base of your website. It's like adding, it's like adding a new floor to your house. Absolutely. I love that analogy. And I think maybe sometime in a future episode, we should really talk more specifically about blogging. Um, because the content marketing is something I'm very passionate about. I really believe that it is one of the key ways that many professionals and specifically, you know, service professionals, therapists can build a reputation online and get more engagement, get more traffic, get more people coming to their website. So I think doing a deep dive into that at some point in the future would be really good because it's something that I care a lot about. And I think people don't necessarily know what it is, don't necessarily know how to approach it. It feels really big and overwhelming and it it doesn't have to be. Um, it's one of those things where you can go as deep as you want, but you can also not go so deep, but still do it and get benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a good thing to not be scared of and to really embrace. But yeah, you can do all kinds of things. Once you have that foundation of a website, then doing things on the website that really give people a way to get a deeper understanding of what you do, to learn more from you, to build more of that relationship with you is really, really fantastic and can be a great way to bring in clients, build your reputation, all kinds of things. And really, this can come in the form of a major content update, let's say a few years after you've had your website, it can come in the form of smaller content updates. And I know you work with clinicians and business owners who can, you can, you know, if they're familiar with WordPress, they can do some of those updates on their own. They can hand it to you and have you do it. Um, Really, there's a collaborative process involved. And I would assume that the natural progression of keeping a website maintained and updated uh, with new information and the latest information is a part of the the process as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to think of your website like a plant and you don't just put it in a pot and set it on the windowsill and wish it well and then come check on it a year later. You've got to keep interacting with that, watering it, maintaining it, providing it with, you know, the different things that it needs to thrive in order for it to flourish over time. And if you just ignore it, it's going to wilt. Beautiful. I love it. Well, we've talked about a lot of interesting yeah, things Yeah, we covered today. a lot of ground. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Okay, really quickly, maybe to close out our session today, our podcast episode, four or five quick do's and a few don'ts. Okay. Let's see. So some of this we've talked about, right? Do you have your contact information super, super visible? Do you have a great about page that is engaging and well-written and that has a picture of you? Do update your site frequently, put information that's relevant and current. And, oh, we didn't really talk about this, but I'm just going to throw it in there. Do make sure that your website is secure and optimized for mobile. So that's, I'm just going to talk about for one second because I know we're wrapping up, but I'm just going to say real quick, your website should be optimized for mobile, meaning it needs to be designed so that it will automatically resize so that whatever size device a person is using to visit your website, the website will be easily readable and accessible and you know fit the screen. 
that's super important because over 60% of people now, studies are showing, are using their phones or mobile devices to access websites. So if you have a beautiful website that doesn't show up correctly on a mobile device, you're just losing all of those 60% of people who are coming to your site. And then a secure website means that you have an SSL certificate, which is something that you set up with your, your hosting provider that certifies that the website, the information that goes through that website is actually getting to the right person and that people can feel safe using your website. And for a therapist, especially, that's incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Great information. Yeah. Great information. And a couple of don'ts. A couple of don'ts. I mean, I, a lot of those would be the opposites of the do's, right? Right. Don't right. forget to have your website secure. Don't forget to have it optimized for mobile. Don't put pictures of people in the depths of despair on your website. Mm, right. Um, and don't write your website like a resume, like write it like a conversation. Don't just slap, you know, your credentials up there and think that that's going to be the way to connect with people. Your website has to be more fleshed out than that. It has to be an opportunity for people to get to know you, not just where you went to school and the degrees that you have. How about, how about don't not have a website? There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> the that's, double negative, right? Yeah. <laughs> Meaning have a website, take the plunge, do it if you don't have one. That's the, that, to me, that's the biggest, I've always, I've, my, my favorite is this lesson I got from a parenting coach when my kids were really little and, and the parenting coach said the number one most important thing of parenting is take care of yourself. Be, like in order to be a good parent, you got to take care of yourself. In order to take care of yourself as a clinician, uh, you've got to have a website. Like you've got to, like, you got to put, at least put the website up there. And um, where, where can people go to access your services and learn more about your services? I'm sure we'll put that in the show notes. But Yeah, yeah, we'll them. put it in the show notes. My agency is Strong Roots Web Design. And among other things, I have a blog, like we talked about, with lots of really great free information. I have a free video course on my website that you can sign up for that talks about, you know, the secrets to a therapist website success. So there's, there's both great. like the services I provide, but then also a ton of free really, I, in my opinion, high value information. Like I work hard to make the blog really substantial, substantial and useful. So, and they can also access sample websites from your website to see yeah. your work. Right. And, yeah. I have a portfolio I, I with, you know, right. yeah. Wonderful. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes and what a great episode today. This was such a good amount of information about websites and I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. To, our to our listeners, enjoy what your practice and your journey and feel free to like us and write a review and don't forget to subscribe and share about our podcast with your colleagues and friends. Tune in for our next episode when we'll talk about the do's and don'ts of online directory listings. Please go to sitebiz.com for this episode's show notes and search season one, episode four.